0: Good morning. It is Monday, May 15th, and this is Markets and News, Signal to Noise. Welcome to you all. Glad that you're with us. I'm Agritalk host Chip Florey, and let's bring in Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst. Good morning, Jim.
1: Good morning, Chip. We're back a- at it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, for you, it's uh, good afternoon, Jim.
1: Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, real quick. I want to just take a moment and give you a little insight into what is happening and changing with Signal-to-Noise. Schedules being what schedules are, it became more difficult to be tied to a specific time and day, and the live stream of Signal-to-Noise tied us to a specific time and day. So to make sure we can make Signal-to-Noise available on a more consistent basis, we've decided it's best to end the live stream. If you have a topic or a question you would like us to address, we can still do that. Just send it to host at agritalk.com, and I'll make sure that Jim gets your question. And we've adjusted the name on the product or on the podcast, okay? We are now Markets and News Signal to Noise. We've always talked about more than DC Policy and Signal to Noise. And some were confused when we did talk about general news that is important to agriculture. Because of my background and because of Jim's interest, he sometimes thinks he's a grain analyst, we always seem to find a way to talk markets and connect the news we're talking about to the market. So, markets and news, signal to noise. We are still helping to separate out what really matters. The format is not going to change. Jim and I will still be getting together once a week to discuss the issues that matter most. I'll be here for color commentary and to keep the conversation pushing forward. Jim will bring his 50 years of knowledge to the conversation. And I I should make sure that you all know Jim's daily comments, his daily comments are available to pro farmer members every day on pro com, If you are not familiar with pro farmer, uh, give it a try. It's real easy. Just go to try pro com, and you can check it out there. Jim, these daily comments, you've been doing them since the internet was cab.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was a blogger before the term chip. Yeah. Uh, basically looking back many, many years ago. Yeah. Exactly. Decades ago.
0: <laughs> you know, and, and I was too, um, yeah. You, you know, you go back to 1997, 98, I was writing a column early in the morning. See, I called it a column, not a blog. Um, yeah. But I was writing a blog called Chore Time. And I I wrote about what I was thinking about when I was doing chores. And uh, uh, it, was, it, it was really something. But, you, you know, Jim was there at the start of blogging. I was there at the start of blogging and at the start of podcasts. And uh, we're going to try to bring, believe it or not, a combined 85 years (laughs) of experience. (laughs) That makes me sound old, but you even older, dude. I feel it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's get into the topics here. One other thing. One other thing. To keep track of when a signal-to-noise is available... Follow me on Twitter, at Chip Flory, okay, at Chip, F-L-O-R-Y. Jim, I think we got to start with the obvious, and that is the Supreme Court's ruling on Prop 12. We talked about it on Thursday last week when you were on AgriTalk. We talked about it again on Friday on the free-for-all. We still need to talk about it because the details and the understanding of what is required under Prop 12 is is still, still very fluid, isn't it?
1: Yes, and it caught most people by surprise, Chip, yep. including the National Pork Producers Council. They rushed uh, Friday on a Zoom call and gave uh, potential participants, I think, uh, just a little more than a half an hour to, yep. uh, you know, to get on that service. So, absolutely, this is a story that has legs, and we're not through with it yet.
0: You know, and one of the things that I said on Friday is not correct. Uh, when I said something about, what about sausage for pizza? What about breakfast sausage? What about chorizo? Now, evidently, evidently, Jim, the way a pig is produced only matters for some products and doesn't matter for others. Because sausage, including chorizo, um, pizza sausage, sandwiches, it, stuff like that, if it has been ground, if yes. it if the pork has been ground, evidently that does not need to comply. But if it's a whole muscle, cured, cooked, uh, flavored, if it's a whole muscle, then it's got to comply. And again, it's creating confusion and and just how deep the the adjustment in the hog industry is going to have to run.
1: Yeah, and you'd have to go back to the uh, uh rules embodied in that uh 1970, 19, uh, you know, 2000 and uh, uh 18, Seven. was it, uh, California yeah. uh uh measure chip, and because they did detail that. And we have until at least July 1 before it's going to be implemented in California. Now, Massachusetts, I think the language says 30 days after the Supreme Court decision. So we're going to have to look at Massachusetts as well.
0: Yeah. Um, On Monday morning, I talked with Lee Schulz from Iowa State University about how this is going to be regulated. Who's going to enforce it? And basically, I think it starts with retailers, doesn't it? Uh,
1: that. And uh, as we talked about on Friday on uh, talk one concern to pork producers is it will at least allow CHIP private attorney, t- attorneys to enforce its provision through lawsuits. So that's not a good uh, you know, signal here and has raised all sorts of concerns at the, uh, at the hog producer level.
0: See, now, to me, that suggests the lawyers running around California looking at retailers. I don't think that means lawyers running around Iowa stepping into farrowing operations, farrowing houses.
1: Probably not, but some of them are pretty big, and that that could be the case. But I think you're right on there. They'll focus yeah. on, uh, uh, on on uh, <clears> on <throat> on the retailers when when There'd you be dead auditors
0: out, scattered all over <laughs> Iowa. If that was the case,
1: you know, one of the things that needs an answer. I don't know whether you asked the guy from Iowa State this or uh, how many. Uh, sow barns uh, are already built or renovated to meet those Prop 12 rules. Nobody I've talked to uh, has the answer, and estimates are wide-ranging from 350 all the way to 500,000 sow spaces. So I I don't know whether even that's enough to meet California's uh, 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 pork demand. So this is why I I say this story has has legs.
0: Right, right. And it's going to, I mean, uh, don't get tired of talking about it because – July 1 is not very far away, and there are a lot of questions that still need to be answered before we get to July 1 and this uh, and Prop 12 is implemented. At least we think it's going to be implemented, Jim, because, boy, I tell you what, Kavanaugh, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh, in the dissenting opinion, to me, was not just opening the door for other cases. He was inviting them.
1: Yes, telling them how. And also, on the majority ruling, Justice uh, Gorsuch uh, wrote that Congress, under its Commerce Clause authority, can pass a law that overrules state regulations like California. So, I, I, you know, I think that that's an invitation. Now, will that happen? I have some people telling me, Chip, that, you know, the, the angst amongst some of the Meat processors has not been as vociferous as one would have thought on this one. Hmm. The will they back, back on legislation? The... Say that again. Will they back legislation? Okay. Oh
0: yeah. Interesting. Is there a legislative fix for it all? Yeah.
1: Well, there's a number of lawmakers are are postulating that they'll come up with a a, a, a measure in Congress, but will it have the support uh, you know needed to pass it into law?
0: Right. Okay. The bottom line is if Prop 12 is implemented in full, there's going to be a huge cost to the industry. And Lee the bottom line, Lee from Iowa State, the bottom line was that the only way that the industry can make the transition is if the consumers vote not only, you know, they they voted with the ballot and the X on, on the prop, now they have to vote with their dollars. If they're willing yeah. to spend more to get that product in the state, that's what's needed to get the industry to transition. Otherwise, I think it's still a big, huge question mark.
1: Yeah. Well, we we have a history here, Chip, in California because of the poultry end uh, that mm-hmm. contributed to their, uh, to their to their pain on on uh, on, on poultry products. Right. In California. Right.
0: Exactly. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit of USDA. We got the reports and the USDA's first official look at the 2023-24 marketing year for corn, soybeans, wheat. We also had the first winter wheat crop estimates uh, that were survey-based in this report, Jim. And holy man, we've been talking about the HRW crop being a terrible crop, and they confirmed it.
1: And. If you recall, AgriTalk, the waning seconds on Friday, right before the report, you and I discussed, is the Dirty 30s returning? I think it's in yep. Oklahoma right now already, by the way. And will it go into Kansas? And we speculated that this thing was going to be a price mover on the upside for hard red winter wheat, and it was.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, 25, 30 cents gains again on Monday. So it's, uh, yeah. it, it's a big big deal uh because it could go down you know
1: further down chip and you've got what did you say the the crop uh, the wheat crop tour is this week
0: yes yep so the wheat quality council uh uh tour through kansas is this week uh wouldn't you know it they're probably going to be dodging some raindrops while they're doing (laughs) that always happens it always, always happens
1: but it'll be curious to see whether or not they go actually under usda
0: right absolutely Okay, uh, debt limit. This is a... Wait a
1: minute, I want to add, on the USDA reports, yeah. I've got a lot of emails on why USDA didn't cut corn and soybean exports, and I haven't had time to check that out. Are you hearing the same thing?
0: Yeah, well, they did cut 75 million bushels off the old crop corn exports. Yeah. Uh, there were people that thought it should have been more, uh, maybe <laughs> you know at least 100 million bushels, and, and some were calling for even higher or even deeper cuts to the corn export number, but they did not adjust the, the soybeans. I think the reason that they did that is because there's still time. And historically there is a period of big bean demand ahead of us, but, but Jim, that has been in years where U S soybean prices and Brazilian bean prices were some somewhat competitive. And then it just became a question of availability. Who could get it it to you the quickest? There is no competitiveness right now. That huge bean crop down there has them trading at a, a, I don't know what the discount is this morning, but it did get as big as two bucks a bushel.
1: Yeah, it tightened up late last week, if yep. I recall. But you know, the the thing I'm hearing in the industry chip is now: is this a new seasonal play in the soybean market? Is this this may not just be a one-off? We right. we may see this every every year. Yeah, one of the numbers the, Brazil just doesn't have the storage. That's why your base has dropped out.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Trying to force a a football through a water hose is what they're doing with 154 million metric ton bean crop and usda and it's not my fault i like i actually like the number that they put out there it's not their fault that it's a wet blanket it's just the way it is but their outlook for the 23 24 brazilian crop 163 million metric tons jim yeah (laughs) geez it's a good thing we got the crush capacity coming on here Yes, man. Oh,
1: man. And, and watch out. And people will usually ask, why can't they get the storage? Well, it's the it's the temperature, right? Where it's grown. Conditions, yeah.
0: Environmental conditions. Yeah. yeah. They try to use a lot of the plastic bags, but they they end up, uh, you know, problems. Some of those beans get thrown away. Let's talk about the debt limit talks. Uh, is there going to be progress this week?
1: Well, people always say, you know, you never talk about anything positive. Well, there is a positive development, at least what we got over the weekend. There's There were progress in negotiations at the staff level, Chip. They met Saturday and Sunday, and Biden's going to meet with the congressional leaders on Tuesday. We're seeing some some progress. What is that progress? They're discussing give and take, which is rare in this town. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think even even Biden signaled he may be open to additional work requirements for some federal aid programs, but not Medicaid. He didn't mention uh, food stamps. So that may be a give. And then uh, the Republicans keep on saying there's uh, more than a few billions of dollars they want to claw back from unspent COVID money. And uh the White House is starting to agree with some of that. They're 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 trying to figure out what has already been committed for the future, Chip.
0: Okay. You know, um when when they met last week, the the final bottom line was staff will continue to meet on on this issue going forward. People kind of blow that off, but it's really important, isn't it? Well, the
1: staff in most cases on Capitol Hill and elsewhere, they do the work. Yeah. <laughs> they do the work, but the, the problem I'm hearing from some people are there are too many staff people. It's harder to get agreement the more people you have. So I think you're going to see this to tone down a little bit.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, bottom line it for us. What's your gut tell you?
1: Well, if here's what to look out for, uh, The president is scheduled to leave at the middle of the week toward the G7 meeting in Japan. If he postpones that, uh, that could be read both ways, actually. But that might mean that he needs to have more progress before he takes off, because he doesn't want to see this totally unravel while he's over there. So watch whether or not the president goes to Japan.
0: Okay. I was going to ask you about what your expectations are for that G7 meeting in Japan.
1: Well, they're going to try to come after both uh, China from, a, uh, from an economic perspective, you know, and uh, uh, and I know that the U.S. is being bombarded already with, uh, with uh, you, know, you know, questions about this possible default on our debt. So that's the biggest issue. The administration wants that to go away and they and they can't and unless there there's a solution. Bottom line on the debt limit chip, history shows that at the 11th and a half hour uh something is done and and that's my bias on this one.
0: Okay. Okay. Let's hit another one quick here that that could happen at the 11th and a half hour and that is the deal to Keep grain moving through the Black Sea from Ukraine. What um, on Friday, you, me, and Sean Haney, Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio, we we basically agreed that that deal is probably not going to be extended this time.
1: Yeah, because they were even talking of options in Ukraine that they have plan B and plan C to get around it. And as of this time, no talks are planned this week, Chip. And, you know, it's set to expire May the 18th. So you can't have a progress if you don't meet.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, Title 42, you ready to go over there?
1: Well, you had a significant reduction in the number of uh, people coming across Saturday and Sunday. Now, that's only two days. We're going to have to see. But the uh, Democrats are are being uh, uh, criticized by their own party, at least the White House is, for coming up with programs very similar to the way Trump did it when he was president. That's about the best update I can give you.
0: Okay. Yeah, this is... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's another case of they did away with the Trump uh, policy just because it was a Trump policy. Gave no consideration to the merits of the policy. You know, there's other examples of that. I know that we can—WOTUS is a fantastic example of they got rid of a policy just because it was a Trump-era policy.
1: Yeah. But the 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 positive side of this is now the border issue is now a universal. It's just not a political issue now that it's being covered by all the networks. Okay. Now, that'll help, I think, in a solution, Chip. And I don't know when this immigration reform and border legislative reform is going to happen. But at least it raises the odds uh, within the next few years we'll have it.
0: Okay. All right, um, Jim, we have not had a conversation on the podcast since we had a uh, uh, another increase in the Fed funds rate. Uh, we Since then, the inflation data has come in. It's still there. It's not 2%. It is not at the levels that the Fed wants, yet most analysts and the market, The market is showing us low odds of another interest rate increase at the June FOMC meeting. What's your take?
1: Absolutely. There there, there there won't be Chip uh, high odds uh that they'll 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 continue as is. The key question is when will they pivot to lower rates? And that's where you have a difference of opinion between private industry and the Fed. The Fed until they say otherwise is really into 20 uh, 24 before they start reducing. Uh but uh, if you do indeed have a US recession mild or whatever. The second half of this year, that could force a reduction in rates uh, sooner than what the Fed now uh, assumes.
0: Okay. I don't think we need to get into too much more on that. All I know is that the higher interest rates are making it more difficult in agriculture on on several different fronts. And when I look at the Treasury, I I mean, it, it, it used to be like it's getting to be like I was with my first credit card. You know, you just make the interest payments, keep going for another and and it, it never gets any better. But no, it's no. Uh, it, it's still troubling what what uh, what the outlook might be here.
1: And the problem uh, with the U.S. economy, higher interest rates affect investment, investment yeah. by businesses. And that's where the drag usually comes where you eventually get into a recession.
0: Yeah, and we have. I don't think we've felt the full force of that quite yet, and and it, no. it's that's ahead of us. Give us an update on just the war uh, in in Ukraine, and and because I know Ukraine is getting more offensive than just defensive, correct?
1: Very much so. Uh- Russia actually tried to destroy a U.S.-made Patriot air system in Ukraine last week with a, with a high, hypersonic missile. They didn't succeed. And now Ukraine increasingly, almost every day, is getting better and better uh, weapons, uh, Chip, from the U.S., uh, United Kingdom, and other allies. And now you, th- now you have China entering in this big time as a so-called peacemaker. Um uh, <laughs> That's Maximia Putin wanting to make an agreement so he doesn't lose any
0: territory. Right, right. So yeah, it's I, what...
1: I think we're at a critical time here. Of, oh yeah, uh, the the uh, 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 offense by Ukraine taking some ground back.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Was, and and it's the coziness of President Xi, Chinese President Xi, and Russian President Putin. We knew that China would be playing a bigger and bigger role in the war in Ukraine. We just didn't really have a great idea on exactly how it would would look. But here we go. I, it it they may be stepping in as a peacemaker at the same time that some higher level U.S. and Chinese officials are getting together. And I don't know. Are are talking. they? they're
1: talking which you you correctly um yeah you 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 know got the other dots connected chip that's absolutely true we're seeing these things w- woven together here which i think is a good sign for at least potential uh, progress but yet ukraine president zelensky keeps pledging to oust russia from all occupy ukraine and i right. don't think you can have a compromise with that stance
0: yeah and it's it's I assume that means Crimea.
1: There's the big kahuna right there. uh,
0: That's what got us into
1: this issue to begin with. So uh, that's where uh, Putin, although he seems very weak, you saw the Washington Post over the weekend broke the story that the chief of that uh, Wagner group uh, offered to share the location of Russian troops with the Ukrainian government. Uh, But in return, Ukraine had to withdraw its soldiers from the area around Bakhmut, uh, where their mercenaries have been taking heavy losses. Well, Ukraine rejected that offer. Yeah. Yeah. So the wheels are turning here. Big time now, Jeff. You know,
0: you know, and you got to wonder exactly what China's angle is in all of this. And I'm I think I'm connecting another dot. Their economy stinks. They are yeah. starting to figure out that they need the U.S. as a trading partner or they're going to struggle.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I looked at the U.S. airlines as China has opened up. The U.S. airlines are definitely not going back to China for tourists, et cetera, like they did pre-pandemic. And I think they're holding office as, uh, as well. And and. Uh, I think uh, China wants this solution because they need to get their economy turned around. And we we should get some data later on this week that shows their economy is less than
0: robust. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, You know what? When we started off this conversation here this morning, Jim, I, I should have gone to where have you been lately and what have you learned?
1: Oh, gosh. I was at the SEPA uh, meeting, uh, crop insurance agents uh, meeting in Kansas City. Uh, and uh, just the 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 positiveness at that meeting, because they're like seed salesmen. Chip, the respect that farmers have for their crop yeah. insurance agents.
0: Yeah, which is There's too bad additional- because they need to partner up when things go bad.
1: Yeah there's more innovation coming out in the crop insurance industry. Uh, uh I spoke at a Zoom call for uh, at, a, at, at no I'm sorry. I was in I was in uh, uh South Carolina at a farm credit meeting and the bankers uh, uh they agreed that mm-hmm. In the next uh, uh, you know decade, farmers are going to continue to get bigger, but at an accelerated pace. Now, I know you've indicated that does not rule out niche markets, smaller right. to medium farms, if they can serve a, 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 a viable service.
0: Right, right. Uh, we got to get an update on the farm bill, because the last time that you and I talked with Colin Peterson, former representative, former House Ag Committee chairman, uh his attitude was that odds were increasing that we would see an extension in 2023. You've seen him again since the three of us had a conversation on Talk. Is there any change in his attitude?
1: No, and I talked to him personally. Uh, yeah. But now we've got the Congressional Budget Office uh, came out. Uh, Friday with their updated forecast, and uh, it gave a little bit to everybody. I don't think it solved anything, Chip. We really have to get this debt limit issue done before uh, the lawmakers can focus on what funding level is going to actually be there uh, for the next farm bill. But bottom line, Colin Peterson thinks that these issues are too too significant to settle. He, he sees a one-year extension.
0: Yeah. We had Representative Dusty Johnson on the show on on Friday uh, in the free-for-all. We didn't spend a whole lot of time on the Farm Bill, but we talked about a hearing that his subcommittee, uh, the House Egg subcommittee, at digital currencies and everything, are part of the uh, consideration for his subcommittee. We did talk about that. I will tell you this. The number of hearings... And the number of conversations uh, that that will help to shape that farm bill, it has definitely seen an increase in the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think that they know what they have to do. They just have to do it. And that CBO report confirmed that the next farm bill uh, would be the, will be the first trillion-dollar-plus farm bill in our history, Chip. Yeah. It's projected to spend $1.5 trillion, and that's $31.5 billion higher than CBO's February baseline, and that's a chunk of change. Now, that includes outlays from that Inflation Reduction Act.
0: Right, right. But it also includes a trillion dollars for what you have referred to, and I agree with you, is the third rail, of the Farm Bill conversation, and that is the nutrition title.
1: Uh, Absolutely, SNAP uh, is projected at $1.223 trillion Uh, That's nearly 18 billion higher than their February projections. You you can see these things are a moving uh, target. And uh, uh, outlays for major commodity support programs are projected higher due to lower seed cotton prices, lower dairy farm margins, and higher prices for some crops, uh, raising the income support level for the ARC and PLC programs. That's kind of the bottom line of that CBO report.
0: All right, good stuff. Jim, the week ahead, I'm gonna be watching the planning progress really closely here. We're after the we're at the midpoint in May. Stuff that gets planted after the midpoint of May is is my opinion. Well, not my opinion. It's proven. It's proven. It's losing some yield potential. So I'm gonna be watching the progress that has been made up to this point and will need to be made going forward. What are you watching?
1: Well, two things. Uh GT Thompson's having a Uh, coffee morning coffee uh, session with reporters, uh, uh, you know, later this week. So you could have some some news stories break on that. And I'm going down Wednesday evening to speak Thursday morning in D.C., a rare speaking event in D.C. to Ag First Farm Credit.
0: Outstanding. Good stuff, buddy. Thank you so much. That's our first one, man. Markets and News. Signals and Noise. Good job. Have a great week, everybody. Keep watching for those signals.